Welcome to this episode of PI Perspectives. Today, Matt sits down with Jeff Evans and Nikki McKinnell from Delft Point. They discuss database research and Jeff provides some great pro tips when doing research. They also talk about Delft Point's new utility search, their vehicle sighting search, and watchdog product. This episode is brought to you by Delft Point. Delft Point was founded by investigators with more than 70 years of combined service in the industry. Delft Point's billions of records from all three credit bureaus allows you to develop a complete profile of your subject and helps you get the information you need. Act now with the code PI2020 and get up to 100 free searches. The code is available for new or returning customers. Visit delvepoint.com apply for more details. Now let's check in with today's guests and see what they have to offer this week. Here's your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to the next episode of PI Perspectives. I'm your host, Matt Spare, and I am joined here today with some folks from Delve Point. I'm here with Jeff Evans and Nikki McKinnell. So welcome, Jeff and Nikki. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having us on the show. Matt. Jeff, you are the uh, Delft Point Director of Sales and Customer Success. You've been working with Delft Point for almost a decade, and you have your degree in business administration and management from the University of Florida, correct? Correct. Okay. And Nikki, you are the uh, Delft Point Marketing Manager, and you've got extensive experience in uh, dealing with government affairs, public relations, and corporate marketing. And uh, you're also a uh, degree holder in uh, public relations from the University of Florida too, right? Go Gators. Okay, great. So, um, Nikki, you and I actually met, uh, I think it was at Osmosis, right, in in Orlando? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. That was a great conference. That was, that was. Yeah, Cynthia did a great job there. So that laid the foundation for you and I starting to to chat and me really understanding and discovering your product and taking a a deeper look into it. And, uh, you know, I've I've had my uh, team using your uh, resources and we've done some video webinars, which have been really great. And uh, I've been very happy with uh, the results and things that we're doing. So um, Nikki and I were, were chatting. We said, Hey, let's do an episode and come in and talk about like the art of searching and uh, some ways that investigators maybe aren't getting the most out of their searching and maybe might be spending too much money uh, where if they were um, really taking a different approach to doing their searches, um, they can have better success. And she said, oh, it's funny, Jeff is writing an article about that. So I was like, great, let's get him online and and let's chat. So uh, this is why we're here today. So Jeff, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about um, your experience in working at Del Point and, and what's new and fresh and, and going on with Del Point? Okay, yeah, as you alluded to, um, I've been working for Del Point for going on 10 years. Started here actually vetting applications. So actually as technically an end user myself. Over the 10 years, databases have evolved very much so in terms of the breadth of data, and but also in the way that they're utilized. A lot of the old school investigators still lean on, on their tendencies from when they started, and, and that's what led me to start writing the article, The Art of Searching, because with how much data is out there, it really, the way that you search is transformed into a less is more type scenario, where, you know, filling out the entire search criteria field actually hurts you in a lot of sense. Most commonly, if you have an SSM, a social security number, your best bet is just to run the social. If you put their full name, address, city, state, relatives, phone numbers, it might actually end up excluding some data that doesn't match your search criteria point. 
So, I mean, the biggest emphasis I would make for anyone out there is, again, less is more. You know, if you have an SSN, that's all you need. If you don't have it, name and date of birth. If you don't have any PII, name and city state. The, the address, the street address itself is where the most public record errors and, and variations come into play. You know, it could be the word street fully spelled out or abbreviated. It could be, you know, center road abbreviated CTR. It could be Oklahoma City OKC. It could be suite, apartment, unit number. There, there's so many different sources that they report the addresses and so many different variations. But again, you really want to avoid any of those nuances. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because over the years, right, the, the AI that actually is used to, to get this information has gotten better too. So it used to be you had to be like spot on or you had to try all these different Boolean <laughs> searches or different ways to, to be creative to do your research. And, and the technology is actually getting better. Um, but definitely being able to wildcard, in my own experience in, in, in doing uh, the database, I, I agree with you. Less is more. Definitely you want to... Um, Give enough information, but not too much where you're going to cut down on on the results that you're going to get. I, I'm always of the inkling, like I want to see everything and be able to exclude on my own than trusting um, AI and and whether or not it's going to remove something that it or, or not provide something. And then, you know, you've got the other quote unquote wild card out there of the data entry person, right? The person who's actually put that that information into the system, you know, you're trusting that they're doing that correctly. And that doesn't always happen. Yeah. And the one caveat I would make there when using any database is employment searches, whether it's people at work or employer searches, that data that there's a huge resource pool of employment data out there that does not actually include any PII. So it's not actually linked back to that person's record. Case in point, if you were to go run a people at work search on my social, you actually get no hit. But if you were to run Jeff Evans, Tallahassee, Florida, you get every single position that I've helped at Dell Point. And the reason behind that is if you think about where you've listed your employment history, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, you know, uh, your email signatures that have circulated throughout marketing companies and you signed up for, for mailing lists, none, none of that includes your actual address, your actual date of birth or your social. So even though that data is being aggregated, there's no way to say that that Jeff Evans at Bell Point is this Jeff Evans that lives at this address. So it's not included when you were to run my, my comprehensive report, but you can get to that data still. That's the one caveat that I found in any database, that when you're looking for employment data, the searching is actually in the reverse fashion of how you would normally run it. Right. So for uh, the average investigator out there that doesn't, isn't tech savvy, what does PII mean? Can you break that down for me? I apologize. It's personally identifiable information. So that's that protected data, such as a date of birth, driver's license number, or social security number. Okay, great. That article that you um, had, had written, it's it's in the, the digital version of the most recent PI magazine. Um, so if you folks haven't checked it out, check out the digital copy. It's in there. It's a great article. Definitely uh, some good pro tips in there. Why don't you give me some of the other pro tips that you have um, listed in there? It focuses on also one of our newer license plate recognition searches called uh, vehicle sightings. What this is, is basically we've got an entire crew of tow trucks out there with cameras that are constantly taking pictures in real time. And so what it does is it allows you to locate a vehicle based on either their VIN, tag, or address, and just to, to plot out their location history. The bonus to this search that, you know, it, that most people don't realize is that this is data. These are locations that you're not going to find in your typical database. You know, if your skipper, your target hasn't updated his 
his credit cards, his bank account, his driver's license. He's still out there driving around in his car. You're still going to get enough today to address on your subjects for your investigation through the LPR database that you wouldn't through your normal fashion. We hear all the time that people have used every other search and every other avenue to find someone they haven't been able to, and then they run the LPR search. And you may be able to find the car at the house across the street from where you were looking. It's just it's a, a really good way to zero in on that person when everything else has failed or a good starting place as well. Yeah, I, I think that would be a game changer for employment searches, right? If you're trying to find out where somebody's working, as long as it's not some big office park, right? If they're pulling into the, the corporate parking lot of a particular um, workplace, I mean, that's a good lead, strong lead for you to now go and try and figure out if the person actually works there, right? Yeah, that, that is one of, the, one of the pieces of feedback we get all the time. You know, relatives, girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, you're parked there overnight. It really, it covers a, a large gap in where the typical data wouldn't actually reach someone. And there are two ways you can get information on this search. One is, like Jeff was saying, with the address. So you put in the address, you can find out what cars have been there. But then also, if you're looking for that specific car, putting in the VIN and the license plate number will then give you all the places that that car has been spotted, not just at that address. Yeah, it's definitely a good way to connect the dots. I, I um, I'd never used that, um, that search engine before. And as a personal injury investigator, you know, I, I, I kind of had this uh, predetermined idea that ah, I don't need that. It's, it's not part of my scope. But then I actually had a couple of situations where I said, you know what, let me give it a shot. Let me try it. And it, it worked out. Um, I had a case in New York City where um, a work vehicle, uh, the mirror of the vehicle had struck uh, a pedestrian. And initially they thought the pedestrian was fine. And uh, they didn't get a police report. They just exchanged um, information, but they didn't exchange insurance information. The guy just said, here's my telephone number. Call me if you need anything, right? Well, the pedestrian was feeling pain in his arm and said, you know what? Let me go get this checked out. And he goes, checks out. And turns out he fractured his elbow and was going to need surgery. So it's like, okay, no, now it's not a bump and bruises. I've got a telephone number, and but I got a guy who's not cooperating. Now, my client was smart enough to write down the license plate as well, right? So we had the license plate. I had a telephone number, and now I needed to find out where this vehicle not only was was being parked uh, at, at a residence, but if it what uh, who the employer was because that was the insurer of the vehicle, and it was an out of state, wasn't New York, so it's not like I could run that plate right through New York DMV. Um, so I was like, okay, well, let me give it a shot and see what I can find, and we were able to locate the vehicle using um, the technology, and I knew exactly. Uh, the patterns of where it typically was and, and we were able to get great results of it. So that was a situation on a personal injury case where it actually came in handy. It was very, uh, very neat. You actually touched on a great point there also, Matt, is that, that the vehicle sightings is not pulling from DMV data. Um, so whereas most PIs I use it in New York are not used to being able to run tags because of New York privacy laws, you can run a tag in all 50 states. The location is not restricted in any state at this point. So you can run a tag that you usually wouldn't find out the location of that vehicle. Yeah. I mean, and taking that one step further. So, um, in, in New York, there, there is a way to get that, the, um, the registration and insurance information, you just have to be registered with the D department of motor vehicles. Um, for now, anyways, they may change it. Who knows? There's some craziness going up in Vermont. You know, it could be this and could drip down to New York. Um, which is why we need NCISS and stuff and, and associations like that to, advocate for us. But um, the example that you were giving, so I had another case where I had a, a tractor trailer and it had, I had the plates, but I didn't know what state it was in. 
you know, I, I didn't have all that, that good information and running it through your system and, and, and finding out in, in all the, the country, that plate sequence, did it show up anywhere? And I had like, I think three or four solid leads to go on. And I think the, the registration ended up matching up with the, the name on the side of the trucking company because we, uh, we had signage on the truck, but no real definitive answer. And uh, we were able to connect the dots on that way too. So that was another example of how it worked out well. Nice. Glad to hear it. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm a believer in the LPR. You've, you've sold me on it. Initially, I said no go, but uh, you, you changed my mind. And I think that's neat. And uh, I got to say, like, the, just the platform of, of um, surfing around, the way you guys have your dashboard um, is very comfortable. You know, it's very easy to navigate around. And I thought one of the other cool things, too, is you guys are integrated with cross tracks, right? You, it, it's, you're kind of working together, I think, right? Correct. We, we basically integrated our platform inside the Crosstrack case management system so that you don't actually have to leave their system to run your searches. And you're able to export sections from the reports or searches directly into your cases, which from the feedback we've got from clients is a huge game changer in terms of time management and resource management. Yeah, that's, that's really great. So, okay, we're going to jump out real quick and just take a quick break. Uh, when we come back in, I'd like to talk about some more tips and uh, maybe some more ways that investigators maybe are overspending and doing their investigations. And maybe you can give some tips on how to really focus in and um, you know really get the information that you need to get. So we're going to jump out real quick and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the Society of Professional Investigators. If you're in New York City on February 20th, Join them at Ferlini's in Little Italy. Registration is still open. Check the show notes for details. The speaker will be Paul Callen. Paul will speak about the hot topic of bail and criminal justice reform in New York State. You don't want to miss this meeting. Back to the show. Okay, welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. I am here with Jeff Evans and Nikki McKinnell from Delve Point. Welcome back, guys. Hi, thank you. Okay, so today we are talking about uh, database research and the art of searching, uh, which is an online article that uh, Jeff had written for PI Magazine. It's available in their digital version. Uh, folks should go check out that, uh, that magazine. So why don't you give me a couple more tips, some things that investigators may not realize they're doing wrong or, or things that are available that they don't know is available. All right, well, one of the, the newer searches that's hit the market on a couple of databases is a utility-only search, uh, which means that it's stripped out all the other sources that we pull from, and it's looking strictly at utility data. And by utility, it's not by its normal definition, and we're not just talking gas, power, and water. I mean, it's talking internet, cell phone, landline. Um, there, there's a plethora of different unique services, but what we're looking for here is a connect date. Um, and this is for people that move frequently or have been hard to find. When you think of anyone in this day and age, the very first thing when you relocate, what do you do? You turn on power and you turn on internet. So it really helps you strip out all the old stale data and just look at what's current and what's been verified connected at what date. Um, and we found a lot of PIs are really liking that search in terms of finding their, their skits that have been out either on the run or just kind of living under the radar for a while. It's really gotten a lot of traction. They can compare it against property data so that then you can really zero in on where they are if they have multiple properties. Right. It's almost like, you know, you're, you're getting um, a bevy of different information from different resources. And, and if all signs are pointing to a particular location, there's a pretty good chance that that's going to be a good location, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So we got the utilities there. Just talking from my own personal experience of running searches, there was a case I worked on God, probably, probably about six or seven years ago. And, um, 
it involved a, a gentleman who had uh, slipped and fell down the stairs and had a head injury and he stumbled, got up, stumbled, walked out of the subway and ended up sitting down on a park bench and dying, right? And uh, it's a terrible, horrible story. We had a eyewitness, somebody who was in the subway system with the police department who had arrested him for disorderly conduct and they were in the process of bringing him to the, to the station to print him and let him go. Um, so we knew that there was this um, arrest that was going on. Um, I just didn't have any of the information. Like we, we had gotten uh, info from the city, but everything was redacted. And my client said, we're trying to find this witness. All you know, They redacted his name other than his name is Chris and he lives in, the, in apartment F, right? Uh, or, or Chris W. I had like the first initial of the last name, right? So I, I took the information, I went through and I combed through all the information that was provided. And when they were redacting, they actually did not redact one part that had uh, his aunt's name. And uh, it, it didn't have uh, an address, but I knew that she lived in Brooklyn. I knew she lived around the area of where that subway was because he had said he was going to work. He had just left his house. Um, so I was able to like, put the puzzle together, run a search on the, on, on the ant and then uh, cross reference it with a whole bunch of Chris W's in apartment three that I had over there. And, you know, I was able to actually find the guy and it was crazy because it was like the incident had happened like five years earlier. And like, he remembered seeing this man stumble down the stairs and appearing to be injured. And the police were more interested in, in getting, this guy to the to central booking than they were to actually helping somebody who was injured. They pretty much told the guy like, Hey, somebody will be back for you. And they just never called it in and nobody came back. So um, it, it was a really good example of, of trying to be like really creative and trying different uh, wildcard searches to connect the dots. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, one of these, like, I can't believe this happened. <laughs> like it never happens. Right. You know? <laughs> Uh, but, uh, it was a good, and my client like couldn't believe it. And the paralegal, she was like, I don't believe it. I spent three months trying to find this person. How did you, how did you do it in a day? I'm like, uh, well, you know, I can't give you my trade secrets, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's the power of the database, you know, power of, of using and knowing how to use it. Right. So, you know, anybody can type a, a name and an, an address and, you know, put in all that pedigree information and yeah, you'll get results back. But what do you do when when you're not getting results back, how, how do you approach that? So um, Jeff, why don't you give me some, some tips if um, an investigator is kind of hitting a wall, maybe something that's a different way, a little more creative to go about and try and get what, what they need to get. Well, I mean, do you have a particular example, like a particular use case? Yeah. Let's, let's just say, you know, they're, they're, you know, trying to locate a witness and uh, the guy's name is, uh, you know, Roberto Hernandez and he lives in, in Brooklyn, New York, and that's all they have. I mean, outside of running your normal searches, I would, uh, sorry, I would just need a little bit more info as to what you're trying, you're just trying to find a new address for the individual? Yeah, let's say they're just trying to locate, maybe find a telephone number, um, you know, maybe they do have an, a, a relative, or, or so let's give oh. it a, a, a better example, let's say maybe it's a it's a lost, uh, it's an, heir, an unknown heir, like you're trying to build a family tree. So you've got some information, but you don't have all the information, and you're, you're kind of hitting stumbling blocks here. How, how would you recommend... Um, going forward and doing additional research. Well, I mean, you're you're going to obviously always start with your original search and advanced person search. And if you come back with the results and you're saying, okay, this address is no good, phone number is no good, where do I go from here? A lot of people do jump to the next of kin. You know, if I can't find him, maybe I can find his parents or his his children. Um, 
We do have a relationship report that will give you up to three degrees of relatives. So you can actually see the degree of separation to know that they're first degree and start digging in that way. Um, one of the most common things I hear when people are saying, I can't find my guy, they don't realize that when you run a, a person search, it doesn't include any criminal information. And more often than not, the, the people that are being investigated are usually kind of more of a habitual offender type situation. And most people don't think to run a, an incarceration search to see if they're actually in prison or in jail right now, which would explain why there are no new phone numbers and no address. I've actually had that happen on a couple of cases, right? Nobody, nobody knew where to find the person. And it turns out like, let me do the inmate lookup and see if I can find something. And sure enough, you know, there they are uh, locked up and, uh, you know, expected release date, so-and-so and, it, uh, and, you know, how to send a letter and, and get information out to them. I, I know there was actually, I was, um, I was dealing with a case that was uh, related to nine 11. So um, in New York, there's this 9-11 Zadraga fund where, um, you know, if you are suffering from illnesses, um, you're entitled to compensation, but you got to be able to prove that you were actually there, that you were involved in some way, either with the cleanup or you were there, the data happened. Um, and this is a long time ago now. So like getting affidavits and tracking people down is difficult, but it's something that's required, right? You, you can't just say you were you were there if you don't have a way to, to prove it. So there was a case I was working on it and the guy who um, who could verify, was really the only guy who could verify this poor gentleman was actually part of the cleanup uh, crew, uh, was incarcerated in federal prison. <laughs> so I had to like uh, be very creative on, on trying to track him down and figure it out. And we were able to do it. And I was able to reach out and make contact and, um, uh, I, I'd, I'd sent some letters and, uh, that wasn't working. And I ended up finding the guys, um, you just through doing my own research, found out who his attorney was, uh, when he was initially sentenced to go to jail. And I, I reached out to his attorney and we were able to uh, facilitate and get it done. So, you know, it was just a very interesting way of, of doing that initial research. And, you know, if I didn't use an, a, a search engine, something that is like your product there, I wouldn't have been able to connect the dots the way I was able to do it. Absolutely. Once you actually find them in jail, they're really easy to track down, though, aren't they? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just uh, and you know what's funny? They'll even come out and talk to you. So I, I've had a couple of these situations where it's been like a cold interview, right? Oh, some you know Matt's here to see you. Who's Matt? <laughs> I don't know, but I want to go out and talk to him. And it's amazing. You know, it's like somebody wants some company. They just want to shoot the breeze, and and of course they're. They always going to talk to you, right? They want to get their story out there and and just uh, shoot the breeze and. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been to uh, some jails a, a, a little more often than I uh, I would like to, but uh, every now and then you, you got to do it. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the notification alerts with your system. What, what is that about and how, how does that work? That That's the watchdog product. Um, and what it does is it lets you actually put a subject on watch and we will notify you in real time via text message or email or both if your subject or target is incarcerated or booked rather. It's heavily utilized in the bail industry for people that obviously skip out on bail. They want to know if they get booked again. But it's utilized, becoming more and more utilized in the investigative space in both corporate security and due diligence. A lot of PIs like the ability to offer their clients the ability to put their employees on watch. And listen, I'll tell you, if one of your guys slips up and gets arrested, it's actually very inexpensive. It's non-regulated data, but it's not available to the general public. So it's really kind of a one-off search that... PIs really like to utilize and keep in their, their search catalog that they can offer to their clients. 
that's half of the watchdog product. The other half is a search monitoring. So if you've got one of the situations that you alluded to before, where you know the data that's in the database just isn't good, you know, you're waiting for this guy to pop back up somewhere. We can do that for you. You know, you run Jeff Evans, you put him on watch either daily, weekly, or monthly, and we'll shoot you an email once we see a new address so that you don't have to manually go in there and rerun him every a week, month. You know, a, it, it's a time saver. Okay, so it's not like a social media search where if they're posting something you're getting, it's more along the lines if they have a new address, a new utility, an arrest record comes up, uh, something like that, correct? Correct. Okay. Well, there's definitely benefit that I can see that too. And, and, um, you know, it's funny, like I do business sometimes with, uh, companies that lend money out on their cases. Like I can see where that product would be really, really good, right? Having some sort of watchdog because, you know, this lending company now has a vested interest in keeping track of this person who owes the money on their cases. Um, and um, unfortunately sometimes the attorneys that are representing those people don't notify the lending company that the case is settled and it's paid out. Um, so, you know, being able to utilize that watchdog, I think would be a really cool, uh, cool way to use that software. 100%. So are there any other tips or anything else that you could, um, interject here, uh, for the, just the regular investigator who's, um, you know, doing their day-to-day searches and maybe frustrated that they're not getting the results they're looking for, or maybe they're spending a little more money than they really need to. Uh, well, on the money aspect, there's one quick way to save a buck, which is a direct to report. Um, not all databases offer this, but it is available on a couple of them, at least I know of, where if your ultimate goal is to run a report, find a report, contact card report, comprehensive report, a lot of a lot of databases will force you to run a search first, which incurs a cost. And then once you run the search to find your subject, you can then run the report on them and there's another cost. Well, in, in our database, you actually can run the report directly if you have their social. You can skip that initial search to save yourself a couple of bucks each time. The other question that you posed was if they've run into a dead end. I tell this to clients all the time. You know, shoot us an email, give us a call, let us help you. We, we're in the system 24-7, and it's still great that every single day we'll get a client that calls in and has a scenario or, or a corner case that we haven't run into, and then we like to help our clients in those instances. You know, if you're happy, we're happy. Yeah. And I got to say like my experience so far in dealing with you guys, um, even the, um, like the webinars that the, the teaching that you're doing, I mean, the feedback I'm getting from my staff is that they, they really like it. They really uh, enjoy it. And even if it isn't something necessarily like what I would offer through my service, like, like the watchdog, I don't know if that translates into a personal injury case, you know, for a plaintiff, a client, although I can tell you, that I did have a situation in a meeting today where something came up uh, where something like that may work. Uh, in this case was a, a construction worker had um, gone to um, Cuba and he was there for, for a bit, right? He relocated to Cuba for a couple months. And while he was in Cuba, uh, he took a video of him dancing or somebody took a video of him dancing and, and doing things he wasn't supposed to be doing because he was injured. And, uh, he uploaded it to, to YouTube or somebody uploaded it to YouTube and uh, he, the attorney found out about it and they were like, Hey, like you're killing your case here. They had like a $12 million offer on this guy's case and he ended up having to take like three and a half or $4 million because of this video. So it was a very expensive video. And the, the guy's excuse was, I, I, I thought it would only show up in Cuba. I didn't realize it would show up in the United States. <laughs> so uh, it, having a watchdog on your client uh, on all spe- aspects, right? Getting arrested, uh, changing addresses, 
I'm, I can't tell you how many times I get calls from clients where like, I have a hundred thousand dollar settlement, but I don't know where my client is. Like nobody can find them. Like I get that stuff happening all the time, all the time. So, um, you know, maybe something like a, a watchdog product would, uh, would be a good sales pitch from an investigator to offer their clients to uh, help mitigate those types of problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, rather than sitting there and, and scratching your head and trying to run a different, you know, a different search every day, every week, again, just throw them on watchdog and, and just to back and we'll tell you when something new pops up. Right. That's um, that's a great, uh, great product there. Okay. So I think we're, we're going to get ready to wind down things here. So how can folks get a hold of you, um, Jeff, if they wanted to, if they had any questions, they wanted to know more about Dellpoint. Um, there's our website, dellpoint.com, um, and we have an online chat available there. Talk with our customer service reps that way, or you can call us, um, 866-945-1667. Or email us, customerservice yeah. at dellpoint.com. Yeah, we're going to have... More often than not, I'm the one sitting there watching that inbox. Right. Uh, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. There you go. And we're going to have all that information up on the show notes. So great. I, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on here and uh, giving us a, a, an idea of um, you know, database research and, and the Dell Point way of doing things and some of the cool products that you guys offer. Um, I encourage the listeners uh, to at least uh, check out the website if you're not using it. Um, I know we all get comfortable with the different search engines that we use. It's always been my opinion that you should have at least three, but that's, you know, that's just me. You make your own um, ideas on how to do things. But yeah, I, I definitely uh, took a look at Delphpoint and I thought it was worthwhile to make the investment in and um, you know, check it out. And uh, you guys have been very gracious with your time. I really appreciate that. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. All right. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll see you guys on the next show. Take care, everybody. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for checking out this episode. We thank Jeff and Nikki for dropping by and giving some great pro tips for searching. Don't forget to use their code PI2020 and give Delfpoint a try. A special thank you to Satellite Investigations for continuing to sponsor this show. If you need any investigative work done in New York State, contact them at SatellitePI.com. Also, check out the latest issue of PI Magazine for Matt's columns on Podcasting 101 and PI Perspectives. Next week, Matt sits down with attorney investigator Wes Bearden from the Bearden Investigative Agency in Texas and Louisiana. Have a great week and thanks for tuning in to PI Perspectives.